0: Take your Bible this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We want to deal with three verses of Scripture this morning that are very familiar passages of Scripture. I think uh, not only are they very familiar passages of Scripture to all men and women in various religions and denominations, but uh, they are probably... uh, three of the most misunderstood and misapplied scriptures in the New Testament. I know religious people get confused about the love of God. I know how they abused John 3.16 and how all of us were raised all our lives under what basically was an era uh, and uh, in, in, in essence heresy that God loves everybody, that Christ died for everybody, that God wants to save everybody. And it sounds good because here's the problem. We look at it from um, a human, humanistic view. And we put all the value not on the glory and honor of God, but by nature we put all the value on who? On men, on women, on our friends, on our family members, on those that as far as you and I are concerned, everybody's got something to give in this in this thing of life. And therefore, since everybody, according to our opinion, has something to add to it, then invariably they ought to have a possibility. And here's the thing. This this idea of salvation, this truth and reality of God saving sinners, it's got nothing to do with our opinion about it or how we feel about it or how we want it to go. It always has to be according to the scriptures. What has God told us in His Word? What, here's a good question: What compelled God to save any? We can even go back further than that. What even? What compelled God to do any of it? Did He need it? Did He need you? I mean, that's what I think. That's why these things, like what we're going to look at today, like why John three sixteen so confusing. They think God needs us. <laughs> he doesn't. And we've got to get that into our mind. This is not about God populating heaven with people. This is about a God who will by no means clear the guilty, glorifying and honoring himself before sinners. Doesn't change him, doesn't make him more glorious. Doesn't add to what he was formerly. Because if if this thing of salvation changes this God, you know what? We got a problem. Because if he's been changed by any of it or all of it combined, our God, the God that we claim that we're worshiping, has proven himself to be a liar. Why? He says, I am the Lord God. I change not. So it doesn't change him. So get that out of your mind to begin with. But they look at these verses like this, and I, I mean, I see it from all corners. I mean, I, that's one thing about social media. You learn every, cause I, I think about it like this. I had a, a, a step-grandmother. Actually, she would have been a step-step-grandmother because it was my grandfather's second wife. No, it was third wife. And she told me, she said, one of the things that, that I always do is I always speak my mind. You know, I tell you, sometimes better keep your mouth shut. You know, it says our God is in the heaven, therefore let your words be what? Few. But yet yeah, we've got to speak our whole mind. We've got to tell everybody everything that we think. It doesn't, doesn't matter if it contradicts the Word of God. It's what we think. And, and you get out on social media, people have a tendency, you watch them all. I don't care what they claim to believe. All you got to do is read what they say, folks, and you'll know what's in their heart. You can't know what a man's and woman's heart. Out of the heart, mouth speak, the hand writes. You don't know what's in a man or woman's heart or in their mind or in their soul? Read what they write. Listen to what they say. And that's not judging wrongly. That's judging righteous judgments. They'll expose themselves. And I tell you what, they, 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 they have a tendency, all of them, I'm going to use these words that I'm not real big on, but it's just truth. They'll, they'll say salvation, coming to Christ, justification is monergistic, Right? In other words, it's it's all of God. But then they turn right around and they get to verses like this that we're going to look at this morning, verses. 9 and 10, specifically, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before of old ordained that we should walk in him. And they become synergistic. In other words, what does that mean? It's a big word. I'll make it simple because I had to make it simple for myself because the first time I read it, I had to get a dictionary out to figure out what monergistic, synergistic. Synergistic means it's like a joint effort between God and me. And it's like they think that God is somehow working out something through us that makes us or keeps us saved or qualified for salvation. Nothing could be further from the truth. And they will sit there, those same people that make those statements and try to defend that position, will say, if you tell people that salvation is full and free based on Christ's blood and His righteousness alone with absolutely no contribution, I mean absolutely no contribution in any way, to any degree, at any time, by the sinner, even assisted by God the Holy Spirit... They say, you have denied the scriptural teaching of how God saves sinners. No, I have not. I've been honest. I've been faithful to what His Word tells us. What does His Word tell us? He tells us this Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that by this man, by His power, by this man, is preached unto you what? What's preached unto you this morning? What's preached unto you every time you hear this gospel? The forgiveness of sins. Have you sinned this week? Don't answer. Have you sinned this week? Have I sinned this week? What's preached unto us this morning? You better get right or you'll get left. Isn't that what you want to hear? You better get on the straight and narrow. You better be living it or you ain't got it. I I, I preached all that. I almost called it what it was. I preached that stuff. I staked my cross in that stuff and said, I, I would have told you then, that's where, that this is the hill on which I will die. And I would have died if it wasn't for the grace of God. They say, you tell people that you, you've opened a, a door and an avenue that allows men to do exactly what they want to do. What's preached? The forgiveness of sin. And by Him, in other words, by His power, by the work of His Holy Spirit. Remember what He said over in Galatians chapter 4? Because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. Okay? That's what that by Him means. He's sending forth His Spirit. By Him, all who believe, all believing, justified, made righteous, declared righteous from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. People say, well, you're confusing justification and sanctification. Study the scriptures, folks. Huh? Justification is by God and sanctification a joint effort between me and the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10 clears up this idea of sanctification. We're sanctified by the offering of Jesus Christ what? Once. Not he's still working in me to make me what, he ought, what I ought to be. We're sanctified. <laughs> but of God, Paul wrote to those in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, 30 and 31, but of God are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, that's justification, Sanctification. And what else? Redemption. What's that? That's the deliverance of my body. According as it's written, He that glorieth, let him glory wear. In the fact that he's something different now than what he used to be. Nuh-uh. Let him glory wear. Glory. Thank God salvation is by grace. In Christ alone. I tell you what, when you think about it, these, this, this lesson's entitled Salvation by Grace, part three. And these three verses that we're going to look at today, they, you know what, they're the heart and they're the soul of the Christian faith. How do I know that? Because of this. The just, literally the righteous. How do we live? By faith. Whatever this faith is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, it's the same faith by which we live. It's not my believing. <laughs> it's the object of my hope. See, that's what we're talking about this morning. And here's a critical question that demands an answer that we have to answer from the Scriptures. It's not, well, my mama taught me, or my daddy taught me, or I thought. We get all of those ideas out of our mind. What's thus saith the Lord? And here's a critical question. How can those who are by nature guilty defile sinners, those who are alienated in their minds by wicked works, Ever be just, ever be righteous in the sight of this God who will by no means clear the guilty. Can you answer that question? If you can't, shame on you. Because Peter told us, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, set him apart considering to be who he is. That he's a God who saves and who justifies the ungodly. That's setting him apart. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh thee of the hope which lieth in you with meekness and with fear. If they ask with meekness and fear, you've got to be ready to tell them. How are you going to be ready to tell them? Study to show yourself approved unto God. It's like people think we don't care how we live. It's like you know, it's portrayed sometimes like pastors like me and others that you know and love somehow or another just kind of sidestep the believer's responsibility to obey and honor God in every, every, every area of their lives. Do you believe that? I, if that's what I'm doing, you know what? I need to be removed from the pulpit, Kenny, because I'm not fit and qualified. Am I satisfied with my behavior? Never. Do I seek to improve my behavior? By the grace of God, I do. Will I ever reach a level of performance in my character and conduct to where I can sit back and say, Kenny, I've arrived. I better not. And you better not. So that's the question. How can that be? How can can a sinner... Born of a woman, how can they be made clean? That's what jo- that's what uh, Job asks. How can a sinner that's been born of a woman, how can they be made clean? That, that's the question of the ages, isn't it? Do you have an answer? I, I guess that's my, my desire for every sinner that I come in contact with. Do you have an answer to that? Had a lady write me off of our website. I get just every once in a while. I get a letter. And, and she wrote me a, a email. I got it yesterday. I let Pam read it, and I was like, "Golly, yeah." She said that she was she was trying her best to be a, a, a she was a single mama, of three kids, trying her best to raise her kids godly, and she lost her job. And she went through all this spill. And she said, "I I called a number that was associated with this church, and somebody told me it at that at this church number to." Go see somebody else that we don't do that here at this church. And I didn't write her back. because I mean, first of all, it made me angry because I thought, number one, when somebody, and then she said she talked with somebody in the church that told her that. Huh? It what? Huh? She did? Well, that's what she wrote me. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, like I say, she went, but here's the thing. She's sitting there telling me how godly how how she wants her children to be raised godly and I cuz I'd wrote out what I was going to reply to her. And my first question to anybody in that situation is, if she's trying to raise her children godly, wouldn't she be associated with some church somewhere? And if she was if she was a member, I, I, I would have told her this. If she were a member, or if she was attending Grace Baptist Church, or she showed up here today, she walked up in and she bumped. Remember, we've had people. You've been here long enough. You, you've heard, We've had people bump on, pull on every door. And if there's a genuine need, what would we do? Huh? We've had people in the life of this church have lost things. What have we done as a church? We've heard of others in other places that are associated with those that are of like precious faith. What have we done? Ah, don't worry about it. They'll they'll figure it out on their own. But I thought if she she really was concerned about her children and concerned about herself, number one, the, the only place I know she could be associated with in Lincoln Parish would be here. I don't know how she got your number to begin with. Well, I know, but how did she get your number? Because I told her, I said, because that's what I was going to tell her is the only number associated with Grace Fabric Church in Ruston, Louisiana. That's on our church website, sermon audio website. You know what it is? It's this phone number. It's my cell phone. Because we don't have a phone here. Never had a phone. Didn't have a phone back at Children ain't never had one here. You go, if anybody calls Grace Baptist Church, they're going to get moi. And if somehow, and I think I need to change it, I think on one of them, I think on our church website, it's our, my home phone number, 318-513-9809. But even there, I've got that number forwarded to this number. And I've got clinic connections forwarded to this number. So every time you call clinic or Richard Wormack's home or Grace Baptist Church, you're going to get the same operator every time. But I thought if, if she were concerned about that, she would approach them. And if they were, any, if they were worth their salt, they would practice First John chapter 3, that if you see a brother in need, what do you do? Or what James said, if you tell them to go away and be filled and you don't do anything. See that? But she went on and on about this. God, and she's praying for us now. She said, I'm I, I thankful for you, that you gave me an opportunity to grow in grace knowledge. And I'm praying that the Lord to bless y'all and protect y'all. And, I, and I'm like, number one, from everything you said here, we're different gods. It's like she was calling down some kind of curse on us. You know, for not doing what she thought was right. Do we care about other men and women? Yes. Huh? <laughs> if I saw children in need, we would do what we could. Do what we could. But our first priority as a gospel church is what? It's preach the gospel. If you if you feed men and women and clothe them and give them a car to ride, her, and number number two, I was thinking about, it, if you're that broke, how in the world do you a for, afford a phone or a computer to sit down and take the time to write somebody? I mean, I I've been poor. Have you ever been poor? I was poor at one time, and I'm I I we 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 made it through somehow. I know how. God was gracious and merciful to us. But the question that ages always comes back to this. How can God be just when he justifies the ungodly? How can that be? Back at Paul's testimony, think about what he told. Look back up in verses 1 through 3. He says, And you who were dead in trespasses and sin, now they were, but no longer, wherein in time past you walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, now he's included himself in it. We all had our behavior in times past in the lust of the flesh, and that's not being drunk. It does include that, but it's not talking about being drunk, immoral perverts. That's not what it's talking about. Though those are included, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, Think about this. Now, Paul's included himself in this. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh, what did he mean by that? He meant any illicit, covetous desires. His was what, according to Romans 7? Seeking to establish a righteousness. That was his lust. And of the mind and were my nature children of wrath, even as others. I wrote my notes, but I've, I've done run too much time into this introduction to say, go read Romans chapter 3. That's the situation we're in. We're not seeking after God. We're all gone out of the way. There's none that's understanding. There's none that doeth good. There's no fear of God before our eyes by nature. Not one of us. You think about it this way. Before there was ever a sinner, before Adam ever fell in the garden, It kind of comes back to that thing, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Before there was ever a sinner, before Adam ever fell in the garden, as our representative man, you know what stood? You know what prevented our God from destroying Adam and Eve and the garden and Satan and everything else when it rebelled against His revealed will and command Is the sovereign of the universe? What prevented it? There stood a surety. Before we ever fail, Christ said, they're mine. You gave them to me, and I'm going to get them. (laughs) That's the grace and mercy of God. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. What did he come to do? He came to call sinners to repentance. We look at these verses this morning. You keep this in mind. There's only one way God can be just and justify the ungodly. It's salvation by grace alone, through Christ alone, by God given faith alone. It's the only way. So let's look at it real quick. Look at verse 8. For by grace are you saved. Isn't that refreshing? It is by grace you might be saved. Or by grace I've started you down a path that if you stay on it long enough and straight enough and narrow enough, you'll get into heaven. What does he say? By grace are you saved. But even the language there is a little bit deceptive, unless we look further. You think about Jonah stated it this way. Remember when he was in the whale's belly? And he turned his face toward the tabernacle. I don't know how he did that out in the middle of an ocean, in, a, in the middle of a whale's belly, but he turned his face toward the tabernacle. And I think by the tabernacle of God, he wasn't talking about the temple of God. He wasn't talking about that one sitting in Jerusalem. He turned his face to God Almighty, just like we go to a throne of grace. And he said, I'll pay my vow. I'll do what you've told me to do. I'll go and preach the gospel there, even though I don't want to. I'll go do it. And then he said these simple words, salvation is of the Lord. And instantly, what did God do? He spoke to the whale and bleep, out he came, right? Why Solomon said this, I, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite verses, who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. can do that? Folks, Salvation's not a word ever. He told Titus a preacher that he had sent an inst- and he was instructing him on preaching the gospel. he told him, not by works of righteousness which we have done. And I've said this and I'll continue to say it as long as I have breath. According to this verse and according to the verse we're looking at this morning, believe in justified redeemed sinners, that stand righteous and holy before God, they can do works of righteousness. Because he tells us here, not by works of righteousness which we have done. So don't tell me that I don't believe that believers can do works of righteousness, that we can do good works. Now the difference is the way we define good works. See, that's the problem. Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, listen here's the language. He saved. He saved us. Paul started this thing out, this this, this glorious comfort and stanza. With this phrase, "For by grace are you saved," literally translated, you know what I, mean? I looked at every version I could come up with, and then I broke down the words individually. Literally translated, this verse reads, "For grace have you, for by grace have you been saved." That's important. For by grace have you been saved. Paul was telling these sinners, who were formerly dead in trespasses and sin, you and me included that it was by the Lord's grace and mercy toward them that they had been saved. In other words, those sinners that he's writing to, and you and me, if we have the faith of God's elect, are justified, righteous, and, folk, we possess eternal life right now. Do you have it? Can you know? According to most people that I know, even Reformed people, they don't think you can. I think all their mentality and mindset is they'll know when they get there. I know that old former guy that I started out over in Shreveport, he, he, told, he, would, he would say that, state that from the pulpit. We'll know for sure that we're going into heaven when we get there and he allows us in. Is that what the Scripture's teaching? I know our Lord said, this is life eternal. That they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Do you know God is just and holy who will not overlook your sins by whatever aid or agency you might try to put them away? Do you know that God? I tell you if you do, you know who else? Jesus Christ whom he sent. Sent him for what? To put away my sin. To make me holy. So these people, you and me included, they're justified, they're righteous, they possess eternal life, and folk, they aren't seeking and hoping to achieve it one day in the future. This word translated by grace, two English words, in the original Greek it means goodwill, loving kindness, or favor. By God's goodwill his loving kindness, or his favor. You think about this. Grace is not sought by the unregenerate. It's just not. Nor do they have any desire for God's grace. They want a grace that's got conditions on it. It's always, I know I believe in Jesus, but. Huh? But. I think you ought to go to church. Well, I think you ought to go to church too, but that still does not, if you go to church. There's folks going to church all over Ruston today. Folks, there's church, people going to church all over the United States, all around the world, been going for the last 24 hours or more, depending on what time cycle you're in. Does that mean since they go to church, they're closer than the ones that aren't going to church? grace is freely given. Freely given. It's not asked for. Paul told those at Corinth, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. What have we received? We've been talking about it in in the worship hour for the last several weeks. What have you and I received? We've received the spirit of God. If any man doesn't have the Spirit of God, what is he? Any woman, that too. That man's generic. It's any person that has not the Spirit of God. He's none of him. He said, we've received and we possess the Spirit of God. and Why? Why does he put his Spirit in us? Because we can't know these things by nature. Why do we have to have his Spirit? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, You see that? You'd never know it. When I think about the grace of God toward guilty sinners, you know who comes to my mind, who always pops into my mind? Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Remember you know, times I read that story and heard that story and saw them pictures in Sunday school and all them Baptist churches I was in, with all them people outside drying, drowning, and uh, you know, all them people, you know. You remember the you remember the picture? We've probably still got some of them around here too, you know. And I remember never but I never remember, do you ever remember anybody emphasizing Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? I don't. I never heard anybody be honest about Noah. Oh, they might tell you he built a boat. You know? Got his family on the boat. And they rode around for 360 days and let the doves out, and the doves came back, dude, y'all. They know all that stuff. Never heard anybody talk about what happened when the boat landed. I never heard anybody talk about what happened before Noah found grace and eyes of the Lord. You know, the question that comes to my mind is, if, but Noah found grace and idolatry. How did he do that? <laughs> Especially in the situation he was in. Oh, Noah was, Noah, Noah was seeking the Lord. Well, then you've denied the Scriptures. There's none that seeks after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're all unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, Not, not even Noah. You've got to think about this in the context of what's said about this man, Noah. Think about this. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And every, it lists, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every man, who, who did every man include? Huh? You don't have any mention of him before? And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart and the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repented me that I have made them. That included Noah. But Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord, what separated him out? Why him? Oh, he was a good guy. Oh, yeah, here's how good he was. After God delivered him, what did he do? First thing he did when he got off the boat, made some good wine and got snobber knocker drunk. Till he did something, that I still, I'd never heard anybody explain to me what, what went on. I I just remember those boys backing in and covering him up and one of them getting cursed over it. That guy found grace in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) If God hadn't shown him mercy, if God hadn't chosen him, you know what? He'd have perished right along with everybody else. Folks, the cause of salvation... It's of God's grace. And it's only found one place. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at consider the means of salvation. For by grace are you saved. Here we go. Through faith. And everybody they, they, they seize on that and they think that through faith. You know what they think that is? That's believing and accepting Jesus. That's not what this is talking about. Though we do believe. And we do rest in him. This is not a profession walking an aisle, taking a preacher by the hand, and jumping into a baptismal pool. That's not what this is. Folks, faith isn't a product of a man's will or power. If you have faith this morning, you know where you got it from? God gave it to you. How do I know that? Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on his name. So what's... Huh? If he hadn't given it to me, I'd have never believed. But to do what else? To suffer for his name's sake. And I'll tell you something else. It's not possible for faith to come forth from our corrupt natures. By nature, we don't desire a salvation which glorifies and honors God. But here's the thing. God freely gives true faith to those who were previously alienated and enemies. And there's no doubt, I know Peter talked about like precious faith. Faith is vital. And folks, true God-given faith is precious. But folks, get this right. Faith, though it's a gift of God, it's not a condition of salvation. Let me say that again. Faith is not a condition of salvation. Faith, it's not the source, it's not the cause, and it's not the ground of our salvation. Faith did not fulfill the law. My believing didn't make the law right. My faith didn't, my repentance doesn't make make things right. I mean, I think about that all the time. We're to repent, but I tell you what, even our repentance needs to be repented of. And when, when, when we confess our sins to our God, our confession doesn't put away our sins. Our promising to do better doesn't put away our sin. I didn't even go further than that. Even our actually doing better, if we could do better, that don't put away sin. The only way sin can be put away what God's got to blot it out. That's why David said, Blessed transgressions forgiven. Blessed iniquity covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not charge, will not impute sin. Can you enter into that this morning? God won't charge sin to somebody. Same thing he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, not charging somebody's sins to them. Huh? None of them. Past, present, or future. Faith didn't remove God's wrath. Faith doesn't gain God's favor. So grace is not of ourselves. And faith is not of ourselves. Because he tells us what is it? It's the gift of God. Freely given. It's the fruit and effect of what Christ did. Given to us in regeneration conversion whereby we rest in his blood and his righteous life. The only way we could ever do that, he's got to give us that faith. You'd never rest. You think about that. We're, the gospel calls on to us to believe in somebody we have not seen with our physical eyes to fulfill every righteous demand for us to where we can't look at it. I can't put my hands around that. But this God that we're dealing with, he demands what? Perfection in thought, word, and deed eternally from everybody here and everybody outside of here. And I have said this unequivocally for almost 37 years now. If you or me or anybody else is not as righteous as God himself, we go into hell, every one of us. You believe that? Huh? Now, how can we get there, see? Now, you, by nature, the unregenerate, what do they think? Well, I'll try. It ain't about trying. You got to be there. You got to have a righteousness in which, uh, like old Gatsby said, a righteousness with which God himself cannot find a flaw. You tell me where you can find that one. in Anything that you've done anything you've been enabled to do all of it's the free gift of God and then he adds this little caveat to it not of works not of works then not of works presently not of works later on why? here's the problem because if it's of works lest any man should boast it's just in us huh? it's just in us by nature Folks, salvation is not a works of any kind before or after salvation, before or after conversion, performed with or without the help of God. And matter of fact, God has denied and he's excluded works in order to do what? To exclude the boasting from the sinners. Paul said this let him that boasts, let him boast where? In the Lord. I like this one, Jeremiah 9, verse 23, 24. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this. What are we glory in, Jeremiah? That he understands and knows me. That's something to glory in, isn't it? that he understands and knows me. Knows me who? Knows Jehovah. Truly knows him. That I am the Lord. How do we know him? That I, the Lord, the one you know and understand, I exercise loving kindness. That's not what we expect by nature. Uh huh? That's why men by nature, unregenerate men, are trying, like Adam before them, to produce a righteousness. Because they think in their mindset, if God enters into judgment with me, the only thing that can come my way is what? Death and destruction. And so I'll hide myself like Adam, and I'll work as feverishly as I can trying to produce something that's going to be taken away like fig leaves that covered nothing. Adam and Eve. I bet you they'd put a lot of effort into whatever they had did. But God, they, they got, the Lord came to him. He said, "Where are you?" And he told him. He said, "Well, why are you hiding? We're naked." Well, they had they had, they sewed together fig leaves. They'd covered themselves, right? But Noah, Adam says, "What well, we're naked." So he even admitted what in a in a cat in a Cavalier way, what was he still? This ain't enough. Because if it had been enough, he could have came out proudly before the Lord. See, this is the thing. What we possess by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus it gives us the ability to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might receive help, mercy, and help in time of need. Not come, oh, I don't know if he's going to. We can come boldly. Why? We're clothed in, robed in, wrapped in, surrounded by, over and under with what? The righteousness of God. And he says of his son, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And if any man be in Christ, what is he? He's a new creature. And if we're new creatures in Christ, what are we? In Christ, we're well pleasing to God in spite of ourselves. I exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. He delights to be loving kind. But he doesn't just do it haphazardly. It has to be on a just ground. Paul told those at Corinth, For who maketh thee to differ from another? What dost thou have that you didn't receive? Now if you received it, why do you glory as if you didn't receive? Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I, I labored more abundantly than all the apostles. Right? I, I excel them all. Yet not I. But the grace of God which is in me. I am what I am how by the grace of God. And I tell you what, I, I, as sinner saved by God's grace, given true faith in Christ, our attitude ought to be the same every single solitary moment of our lives as the Apostle Paul was. But God forbid that I should glory save one place where? In the cross, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom this world is crucified unto me and I'm crucified unto this world. Look at verse 10 and we'll quit. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That word workmanship, it means that which has been made. Or it means this the works of God as a creator. Folks, believing justified sinners were God's workmanship. With the creation of God's own hand, not as ungodly sinners, but what? Is His people? Is His Christians? Is His believers? Not as fallen creatures, but how did He create us? We're new creatures, huh? We're new creatures. Paul tells us plainly that every elect sinner that God has saved by His grace through faith, He says, every one of them. What are they created unto? Good works. Now, they are, but this is so important. The justified saint, Bill said this years ago, and it stuck in my mind. The justified saint has for his or her starting place what the self-righteous religion has for his or her goal. They are trying to get a righteousness, attain a righteousness, right? The self-righteous religion. We start off how? And we don't have to write write this verse down and and look at it for yourself. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, it concerns Cain and Abel, those two boys. You you say, well, why do I want to read about those two boys? Well, our persons, because this is what that verse teaches us, our persons have to be accepted. We have to be justified. We have to be sanctified. We have to be complete in Christ Jesus before our works can be called good works. Huh? Because here's the thing: even the best works we've ever performed, how do we, what do we think of them? Huh? And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying this as long as I. If you ever do anything and you think it's a good work, rest assured it's not a good work. You hear me? How do I know that? I know that because of that, that parable our Lord spoke about those that when he was in ne- he was in prison and you saw me, I was naked, clothed me, didn't clothe me. You know, you know the story. i was hungry and you didn't feed me. i was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. I was naked and in prison, you didn't visit me. And the, the ungodly said, when saw we thee and didn't do these? That's basically what they're saying. When, tell me one time when we didn't do that. Then he turned to the righteous and he said to them, I was in, I was in, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was in prison, you visited me. I was naked, and you clothed me. What was their response? <laughs> the righteous. When did we do any of this? <laughs> Most people I know want us to be fruit inspectors, trying to figure out whether or not we're saved based on a, on a scale of our own mindset about what good works we perform. Now, you listen to him. He says that we should walk in them. How do I know believers are going to do good work? God's ordained it. Huh? God's ordained it. Good, folks, good works don't save us. They don't keep us safe. What are they? They're the fruit and effect of who and what we are by nature in Christ Jesus, made the very righteousness of God in him. And he's predestinated us to do good works. You hear me? And since those good works are predestinated, what are they? They're not of our doing. They're of his mercy and his grace. Okay, and we'll stop right there. We'll come back and pick up verse 11 next week. You're dismissed, the worship. I appreciate your presence.